Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
Let's join Holly Steffi and Red Velvet Media as we explore the inspirational worlds of music, media, and more. And today I have a really special guest with me, somebody that I've admired. Oh, his music is so beautiful. That one piece that we opened up with was a piece that he wrote open um, called After Midnight. Uh, My guest today is Kurt Bastor, and um, I am going to bring him into the studio. And he's going to talk a little bit about... Um, he he's he's just an amazing composer as well as a musician, and he's an Emmy-winning winning composer. And over 30 years, he's composed like all types of all types of music um, styles, different all over. Full 40 full-length um, videos and films. I can't talk today. I don't know what is wrong with me. But we're going to bring him into the studio, and this is going to be a really interesting um, show. If you want to listen live, you may do so by going on to Red Velvet Media and or also afterwards on iTunes. And we do have a chat room that is open. And if you would like to call in, either myself or Kurt can answer questions. Our number is 347 347- Six seven seven one zero three six. Sorry about that, Kurt. I got tongue tied there for a few minutes. That's that's okay. <laughs> you know, you're uh, you got yeah. a lot to say, and uh, you know, it's all right. It's nice to be it's, here, Holly. It's I've, all uh, good, right? <laughs> well, well, you know, you know we're I just getting we're just getting to know each other. But I'm honored that you would have listened to my music before you even got to know me, because that's the best I part of me to get did. to know. I did. Your music is amazing, um, and for a lot of people that don't know the name behind the music you've done um music for over 40 different film scores correct yeah probably about 50 by now that's kind of an old bio but uh it's uh, i don't uh, i don't make notches on the bedstand that's just uh yeah i've done a lot over the years and uh when you're a musician these days you kind of have to do a little bit of everything so movies and mm-hmm. television and performing and you know cds that sort of thing so it's uh i guess i'm a jack of uh, quite a few trades i was i was really impressed when i was reading about um you doing the 1988 winter olympics and that you yeah, that actually was, got to carry the uh, torch. Well, I carried the torch for the 2002 Olympics, and actually, okay. uh, I, I don't. This is a little-known fact, but I, I've actually carried the torch in two relays in 1990. I want to say 96. Uh-huh. Whenever the Atlanta, the Atlanta Summer Olympics, I got to run in the torch relay as it came through Utah. And then you get to keep your torch, by the way. Little-known fact: you have to pay money for it, like 300 bucks, to keep the torch. Really? But who's who's not going to pay for it? And then in 2002, when the uh-huh. Olympics were held here in Utah, where I live. Um, I was able to write the music for the closing ceremonies and also run in the torch relay. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a celebrated torch relay runner, I guess. But uh, oh, 1988, awesome. it was it was pretty cool. You know, I love I love the whole Olympic thing anyway. Like most people, we just uh, it's it's a magical time when you forget about borders, you forget about country differences, and you just celebrate mm-hmm. victory and and the participation. But I was in Calgary in 1988 working for ABC Sports, writing the music 
uh, for all the uh, up close and personals that you might see back in the day. Uh, I think NBC does all the Olympics now, but ABC used to be the premier place to go for the Olympics. And they did these things called up close and personals, where you would learn a little bit something more about the uh, Alberto Tomba, or you know, you know, name your your Olympic character. And so I was up there for about three weeks writing the music uh, along with a friend of mine, Sam Carden, and uh, it was crazy. We were in this little studio, and they'd bring the music in for the day. They'd say, look, this is going to air tonight nationally. You better write. you got four hours to write the music and make it good. Oh, wow. That was, so it was, it was almost like an Olympic event in and of itself. Wow. I'm curious, how heavy is the Olympic torch? Is it a real heavy torch? It's not. It's not very tor- Not very heavy. I mean, they make it so that like 99-year-old famous people can carry it <laughs> and so forth. And since I wasn't near that age, uh, it was pretty light. The interesting thing is, is that um, I was when I got. You have to wear the outfit, the official outfit, and you're you're sitting oh. there ready to run. I'd like even trained because I thought, oh, I better. I want. I want to do a good job. So I, like I got out and went running. When I started to run, the guy goes, hey, hey, slow down. You're running too fast. And I said, what are you talking about? Oh, you're barely, kidding. I'm barely running. He goes, now you have, almost have to walk here. This is just symbolic. So don't, don't try to be a hero. <laughs> so I ran oh, and I had really, That is yeah. funny. My, my favorite part is to see the Olympic torch, you know, when they carry it. And, and mm-hmm. as you said, you know, it's beyond the borders. Like, I totally agree right. with you. I think that there are no borders that um, – you know, joining all, we are one, and um, you know yeah. that that we're all coming from the same place. It's just people try to create these different situations where it kind of pushes people away. Right. But you know, um, it's like a really cool thing that you got involved in the Olympics and um, that you yeah. actually wrote music for that. Um, it it was nice. It was. A, it, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. I want to hear you. Well, I was, was nice. going to say that it 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 was interesting, kind of how it came about because. I had never really, you know, applied for a job as an Olympic music writer. I mean, you just kind of have no. to know people, and, and there's like a little How'd interesting that road that. Well, I, I was writing music for uh, jingles. You know, and, uh, that's a kind of yeah. an old term, but music behind the commercials and so forth, and yeah. you know, just something to make a living, put bread on the table. And then I, I had an idea back in 1986 to write uh, like a holiday greeting. For, for ABC, I just I just wrote this little thing. It was you know kind of a little carol thing. We we sent it on a whim to ABC in New York, and somebody heard it, somebody liked it, and so my music was played nationally at that time. And I thought, well, that's pretty cool. Didn't hardly pay much, but then we kind of got to know a guy there, and and little by little he said uh, he had me write music for ABC College Football and ABC all these these kind of I call it jock rock. It's just music that uh, nobody listens to because they're out getting a sandwich, you know, between shows. And then uh, sure. all of a sudden, uh, this guy uh, came up with this idea and said, look, I, you know, synthesizers and recording music like that had, had been just coming in. He said, why don't we get you a bunch of synthesizers, put you in a room, and you can write music for the 1988 Winter Olympics. And, you know, so it was, that's kind of how it came about, just on a whim, writing holiday music turned into Olympic music. And then, of course, when it came to Salt Lake City, uh, I had a, people know me here maybe more than they do in other places. So uh, I got asked to do it as kind of a musical luminary in the city. So so there you go. I'm up for any more Olympics. Anybody who needs music, I, I got experience. <laughs> oh, you're funny. You're funny. I, I, I mean, I know I know that your music is just amazing, too. I've, I've, seen, I've seen some of the different... Um, things that you have done. I know you were working on a project, um, and I heard that's how I first. Well, I had heard your music years ago, in a couple different things, but then I had heard more of it and more of it, and I was like asking 
my friend Thomas, um, wow, tell me more about Kurt. And he told me a little bit about your music and stuff. And I was just like amazingly, I, I was drawn so much into it because it's very, the, you know that one uh, CD I really am trying to find is Evening Angel. It's, it's, it's coming your way just because you uh, look so nice to me. But uh, and I, I called Evening Angels. And uh, that was an interesting project, Holly. It was, I, 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 got, I got called by a guy uh, named um, uh, Jim Christensen. He's a, a well-known illustrator. Um, Thomas would know who he is. Thomas, by the way, for those that yeah. don't know, is a mutual friend of ours who's an amazing artist. Anyway, uh, Jim Christensen is an artist, and he paints kind of fantasy, uh, realistic sort of paintings um, that are really kind of fun. Anyway, he had an, an, a painting called Evening Angels, and he called me and said, Kurt, I have this idea to write a whole album based on a painting. And I just I thought I was very intrigued by that. So we, we kind of had to write this story. He showed me the picture, and I said, man, you know, I can see a story here. Where, where do these angels come from? Where are they going? What's their job? They're all on kind of this boat, and they play musical instruments. And yeah. so we, we really kind of, if, if anybody out there has heard even the angels or seen the album, you can actually kind of read the story and follow uh, follow the angels on their journey as they paint the day to night, as they go over troubled lands in Africa and Asia. The music kind of changes. Oh yeah, I have chills when I listen to one or two pieces that I do have. I'm entering the angelic um, realm. Mm. That yeah, that was a, that was a fun one, and I, and that was, you know, I, it's funny. I haven't listened to that album for probably ten years. <laughs> I don't go Did home and you? listen to all my music every night. No, I really haven't. I mean, I wrote it and I listened to it. But I, I have. I need to do that, especially now. I have a five-year-old daughter. It'd be fun to to kind of tell her the mm-hmm. story. But that particular song is after the the angels kind. Of, they kind of crash into you know the. I think like we were thinking the Arctic or something, and and then they kind of emerge into almost like the aurora, the aurora borealis. And so yeah, I, I can to hear that at the end of the I, song. Yeah. Yeah, trying to yep. paint, paint orally the the aurora borealis in music. Uh, yeah, it was, that was fun. I'm, I'm glad it resonated with you. Uh, it's a unique album for me because it features no piano, which almost all my albums feature piano. All I really did was write it and conduct it, so you really don't hear my musical voice except all the, all the instruments are really coming out of my brain. But that's a unique album that way and, uh, and one of my favorites. Uh, well, that's really cool because it did. It resonated with me. The minute I heard it, I was like, I want more, I want more, I want more, I want more. And I was just like, I, I just have the um, two tracks from it, and I was just like, I think Thomas sent them to me, um, something that he was doing, um, and he said, you can have these and listen to them. And I was just like, well, I want all of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I yeah. said, I have got one coming your way, so oh. you can listen to the whole thing oh. and get to know all the angels. It's, it's a fun a fun project. Well, everybody that knows me knows that I'm really into angels, and I'm also really into fairies and storytelling, and your music really tells a story. And again, today our show is um, with Kurt Bestor, and we are um, Red Velvet Media Blog Talk Radio, and if you missed the beginning of the show or would like to listen to it again, it will be available on iTunes and on demand afterwards on Red Velvet Media Blog Talk Radio and on iTunes. Um, You know, Kurt... I want to ask you about your um, music that you've written for film scores and TV programs and commercials. Um, could you tell us some of the most memorable scores that you've written and that you really felt really, um, you know, involved in that really drew sure. you in? 
Well, I, I worked on a project that was for TNT, uh, Turner mm-hmm. Network, and it was called Wild, uh, and it was Wild with an exclamation point, Wild Life Adventures, kind of a play on words. And the whole concept of the thing was a bit of like a National Geographic special. Every week they would do a different show, and they would take celebrities and send them out into the wilds. I remember particularly doing one that was all about black market birds, the, the horrendous uh, practice of bringing birds out of the, the Amazon to America or around the world where they really live caged lives. And, and it's kind of a, it was a tough show to do. But Alec Baldwin and Kim Bassinger, when they were still together, uh, were starring in this. And they went down and were filmed, and I did the music for it. So I, it was fun to combine uh, Andean music, so using some of the pan pipes and zampogna and all the different instruments from that area combined with orchestral instruments and then just uh, telling the story along with Alec and Kim about these black market birds. That was a fun one. Uh, on that same program, I did another one about Yellowstone wolves. I think I can't remember. I think it was Scott. Uh, see who's There's a new star named Wolf, uh, and I don't think that was a coincidence. But they got this guy, kind of a Rico Suave, good-looking dude, and he mm-hmm. went up to uh, went up to the Jackson. Uh, area in, in Wyoming and Idaho up the Yellowstone, and they tracked the reintroduction of the wolves back into that area. And um, it, it was really fun to take a whole different approach there where I used Native American flutes and drumming along with orchestra and guitar yeah. and harmonica. To kind of, and, and you know what's, what's fun, I guess that's what I like about film scoring, is that you can use different palettes uh, for different movies. In fact, movies kind of suggest the palettes. If you're writing music for a Renaissance movie, for example, you'd be using period instruments out of that period or something from around the world. So uh, I, in just those three examples or two examples, I've, I've kind of taken different palettes from the Amazon to Yellowstone. And uh, so I've always done a lot of documentaries. Just finished one about six months ago, um, ironically, about another place up near Yellowstone. It was a documentary about a rescue from the Grand Teton. And that was kind of fun because I was capturing the drama of these guys who, who you know, were really precariously perched up on this ledge, one, wondering if they were going to live or die. And uh, so that was kind of fun. And, you know, I, oh, wow. I can't even remember the, how many movies I've done these days, but uh, I've done, done a lot of documentaries. I know, I know. And um, I know that you also enjoy Christmas, and I know that your Christmas shows have sold out, um, according to what I read, 24 years to sell out audiences. Yeah, um, I'm sure we're going on even longer than that. 27 years now. I know it's amazing, considering yep. I'm just barely 30. Uh, but <laughs> I'm just teasing. I'm you're older. so funny. Anyway, now you're funny. I, <laughs> well, you know, the Christmas thing was funny, uh, Holly, because I, uh, and ironically, the perfect name for, for you, Holly, as we talk about Christmas, um, I did, uh, I, I wanted to do music for albums, and nobody knew who mm-hmm. I was, so I went to a record company, and I pitched them on the idea that I would take these timeless Christmas carols, and mm-hmm. that, that I would arrange them my way, and that that would be the way that people would be interested in buying it. They didn't know who I was, but hopefully they would like the music. And and that, and it kind of worked because at that time, and I'm talking way back in 1988, 1987, mm-hmm. um, except for Mannheim Steamer, I guess, had done an album, an instrumental Christmas album like this. So it was kind of a new thing, and it really resonated. Um, 
here in Salt Lake especially, and then throughout the Intermountain area up into uh, Seattle and Oregon, down into Arizona and some parts of California. People started hearing this, this Christmas music uh, by this guy. They didn't know who he was, Kurt Bester. But uh, it's been good to me. You know, I've done probably nine holiday albums now of a different variety. And uh, people recognize, I mean, in fact, you would hear, you, you said you liked Evening Angels. You would recognize my style in these Christmas oh, yeah. songs. So totally. uh, I think I've probably done enough Christmas CDs by now. I'm going to move on to maybe another holiday, you know, Thanksgiving CD, <laughs> Memorial Day. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> How about New Year's? We could we could do like a whole a whole CD on on rebirth and about New Year's and about. Um, yeah, like I could that. do something like that. Well, I've actually, you know, this is more towards maybe sort of thing that you enjoy. I've often thought uh-huh. about doing something um, that celebrated more the the equinoxes and 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 the different seasons that way, uh, yeah. as opposed to the religious holidays. Just because like there's Vivaldi so much. Like Vivaldi did Four Seasons, yeah. Vivaldi well, did sir, Four Seasons, yeah. And I actually, I actually have an album called seasons that I did that, that has three I songs know. about every season. But I think this particular thing I'm thinking about, and you're, you've kind of got me thinking, is maybe something a little more nature-related, you know, something that deals really specifically with nature and the seasons. Um, I mean, it's been done many times, but, you know, I've not done it. Yeah, so like it might be something here at harvest time, harvest time is so amazing. Mm. Um, I can't even tell you, because uh, I'm, in, I'm in the Sonoma area, so when harvest season comes, it's like you can feel it. The whole valley is just like really feeling it, and the of course, nobody can remember it, right? Because they all get the uh, <laughs> here yeah, the and it's like, and then the grape stomps, and yeah, yeah. Um, you know the vintage the vintage festival and stuff like that. But really, what my favorite part about harvest time here is the harvest moon that we do have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which you know, Young, I I love his song Harvest Moon. I just I think yeah. it's great, and I think that there could be a real. I think he could do a beautiful job on maybe doing a song about the harvest and the moon. And mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I mean it's just like so celebrated up here, and there's such a vibe in the air, and and music is really integral. I think music also like with you, I've noticed in a lot of your music that you've done, it's very emotional. Um, mm-hmm. There are a lot of emotions behind it, and a lot of people that do listen to music don't realize, you know, what goes into creating a piece of music. You know? Well, you know, I, I appreciate the fact that you would bring up emotion. I was just asked yeah. today in an interview um, about you know, how I write music, and I said, I'll tell you what I don't do. I don't just write notes and rhythms and melodies. Mm-hmm. I can't just write. I just can't write the craft of music. I have to have the art. I have to dig into something inside. That's just the only way I can do it. So it's interesting you'd bring that up. It, it's it's impossible for me um, not to put some kind of emotion. It can be happy. It can be poignant. It can be you know nostalgic or hopeful or or sad or mad. But you know I have to tie it into something like that. And so that's probably why you picked up on that because that's really how I write. No, I can I can totally hear the emotions in a lot of the different pieces that you've written that I've heard. I I haven't heard everything you've written, but a lot of them are just amazing. I know that you've received an outstanding film score award at the New York Film and Television Festival for PBS. Um, yeah, that, that was that, a, that was a show called uh, A More Perfect, Perfect Union, Union? W- yeah. which dealt with the uh, the 
Declaration of Independence and the uh, the Founding Fathers. Kind of a fun score to do. That was very the, the sound of it sounded very 18th century and had some things. Uh, and then of course it had the emotion of these men that were fighting uh, tyranny and wanted to do something great uh, in this new country. So uh, kind of a fun show to do. You know, also, um, I know that you've worked with a lot of, you've conducted and performed with the Royal Liverpool Philharmonic Orchestra and the <laughs> choir. Yeah, that I was mean, really fun. I, that, wow. I'll tell you what was fun about that, Holly, is that, uh, first of all, it's the oldest orchestra in the world. Um, it's been around yeah, since, yeah. since the 1700s. Only the Royal Liber- uh, the London Philharmonic is older. Mm-hmm. But it's funny, when you look at, on the, you walk in the hall, it's a beautiful hall in Liverpool, and there it shows the, the people that are on their board of trustees, like you would find in America in, in orchestras. But on the, the president of the board of trustees is Her Majesty the Queen. So that was a bit yeah. funny, but... Uh, when I was performing a show over there with them called Kurt Bester, A Night at the Movies, where I take people through the history of film music, all the way from Charlie Chaplin, you know, past uh, Bernard Herrmann and Psycho into John Williams wow. and Star Wars and beyond. So it's a really mm-hmm. a fun show uh, where people get to see the video. We, we drop a screen, show the video. I tell stories about the composers and what they went through. And then I play snippets of the of the shows. And uh, there's another section in, in the particular show that I do where I let people help me score a film. And uh, we, we, it's actually a bear chase. And I, I want to show the audience how music can change a scene dramatically. So we show the bear chase, 30 seconds long. Then I say, here is how Beethoven would have scored it. You know, ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. We do this whole thing, and mm-hmm. it takes on kind of a serious nature. Then I say, now let's see what if Carl Stalling. Carl Stalling was the guy that did all the Bugs Bunny uh, cartoons. So then you hear this womp, 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 and, you see, and it, the movie is exactly the same, but it totally changes perspective. And then I show them how I did it. And anyway, it's a fun, fun show, and maybe we'll bring it down to your neck of the woods someday. I would, I, that would be so much fun to see. Um, with your years in working with music and writing and, and working with other people, tell me, are there any certain composers that are here or maybe have gone to the next place that you can relate to that you would have loved to have gotten in their head and known what they what, what they were doing? Yeah, you know, there there's lots of influences in my life as a, uh, different composers mm-hmm. that have influenced me either personally or just uh, their their music. Uh, Aaron Copeland, for example, is somebody that, that I resonate with. He's the guy that wrote... Uh, um, uh, Billy the Kid Ballet. He's people know him for fanfare for the common man. Ba-ba-bum, you know, this big fanfare mm-hmm. thing they do in all the presidents. He wrote this really great brand of American music. And uh, I really resonate with that. You, you'll hear his influence in some of my music. I think Bach was another person that, that I really uh, would have loved to have gotten to know. I think he would, would be kind of an enigma. I mean, he had like 16 kids, so I don't mm-hmm. know when he found wow, out. Wow, I didn't time. know that. Oh, yeah, and it was crazy. 16 kids. I, I think, I mean, that's where I live in Utah. That's maybe not that crazy, but most of the places in the world, people would go, whoa, what are you, what are you smoking, man, 16 kids? Um, but anyway, somehow he found, he found time to uh, compose music, and uh, I would love it and I love his stuff. 16 kids. Oh, well, I, I'm sure he had a little little help, like Brad and Angela yeah. or something. Um, sure. And then uh, 
you know, there's another gentleman that I'm still in touch with, and we're good friends, uh, but he's been a mentor of mine ever since I heard his score to On Golden Pond. I'm talking about Dave Grusin. I think oh, Dave wow. Grusin's music yes. uh, really, really spoke to me. My first album was based on a little bit in the style of on the theme from On Golden Pond. It's that really incredible uh, watercolor-sounding piano orchestra piece. And, you know, I, I went for about 10 years listening to his music and, of course, never meeting him. And then I met him for the first time. I had one of those I'm not worthy moments, you know, where I embarrassed myself. And then after a while, we've kind of stayed in touch, and we are, we're now pretty You're good funny. friends. So. You are so funny. Oh, you are funny. Anyway. That is too funny. Um, you know, I want to take a really quick break here, and I want to come back, and I want to um, talk about what you're currently working on and what we can look for coming from you in the future. So sure. stay tuned, and hold on one second. We'll be right back with more Holly Steffi and Red Velvet Media. For your eyes, food for your soul. Nature is our greatest spiritual teacher. When people see these images, it's one common phrase, oh my God. Award-winning filmmaker, Louis Schwartzberg. Everywhere in the world, people want the same thing. Amen to that. Louis' awe-inspiring perspective, a call to open our hearts to the everyday wonders that surround us. Super Soul Sunday, all new, Sunday, 11 a.m., 10 central, only here. Well, those monarch butterflies were done at the... They were shot in Mexico at an elevations of like 11,000 feet. And um, that's where they winter every year. And unfortunately, you know, the population is dwindling radically because of environmental threats. But it's the longest migration of any butterfly on the planet. And what's a miracle about the monarch story, their great-grandchildren come back to the same spot. So they'll leave like in March, travel all the way to Canada reproduce along the way, and their great-grandchildren oh, wow. will come back. That's coming out of the cocoon and yeah. turning to... Uh, and metamorphosis has always been the greatest like, symbol of change for, for poets and artists. I mean, imagine that you can be a caterpillar one moment and a butterfly the next. And you change. actually have that on film. Yeah. What's it like when you're in the midst of all of that? The sound of a, of a million butterflies flapping their wings is undescribable. It's like being, it's in heaven, it's very heavenly. And that there is from uh, Super Soul Sunday coming up on the OWN Network this coming Sunday. Make sure to tune in. And uh, we're happy to be able to be part of what they're doing. So I wanted to play that because there's got some really cool stuff going on and there's some really good stuff that she's doing with Eckhart right now on her series about Zen Masters. But um, I am so happy you're here because that kind of like went with what you're talking about, emotion and sounds and stuff and nature, like you were talking about doing music mm-hmm. for nature. Um, what are you currently working on right now? Well, I've got about uh, three projects 
concurrently going. I just finished an album for a violinist uh, named Jenny Oaks Baker. That's uh, just right. released released a couple days ago, and it's 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 called Classic, uh, the rock album. She's a classical mm-hmm. violinist, but I arranged. Um, kind of timeless rock songs in a classical way. I mean, Stairway to Heaven and, and a, a whole Beatles medley. Ooh. I called it the Full Suite. I did You Are So Beautiful uh, that uh, Billy Preston wrote that people, uh, Joe Cocker sang. Uh, just some great melodies. Yeah. And I finished that. And now I'm working with a uh, two sopranos, ironically, one from Baltimore named... Um, Oh, so I'm getting them all confused here. Uh, let's see, San, Sandra Shirley. <laughs> I'm working on an album for her of kind of a mix of kind of Broadway-type tunes and working with a soprano out of San Diego on some Christmas. There, I wasn't going to do Christmas anymore, but she hired me to do a whole album of Christmas tunes, so I'm doing some of those. And then I got a uh, um, television show that uh, I'm going to be doing the theme for. I don't know the really? name of it yet. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's it's kind of a cross between American Idol and uh, let's see, Shark Tank or what's that Donald Trump show? Uh, it's kind of a about how guys oh, the, are trying um, to. You're fired or something. The, appre- like the that? Apprentice. Yeah, it's, it's what he says. You're fired. It's The Apprentice. It's a bit like yeah. that. Um, and I I don't know too much about the show except that uh, I'm going to be doing the theme and writing some of the background music. I mean, these are oh, wow. kind of pay- these are kind of pay-the-bills stuff, you know. I mean, uh-huh. it's, I love doing it. But uh, having just finished the new album, and I, I was going to say this to you. I don't know if you knew this, but uh, that's the first time people have heard that song, uh, After Midnight Dancing, uh, the one we started oh, the whole show with. Well, uh, we it had never, it. never, been, never been performed. So a little world premiere here on your radio oh, show. Oh, how um, cool. I was going to ask you to tell me a little bit about After Midnight, the, show, the song we opened up with. If you missed yeah. it, you can listen to it after, again um, sure. if you want to download the show. Tell me about After Midnight. Well, that that song is, is part of an album called Kurt Bester and the Collective. That's the name of my mm-hmm. new kind of band. And the name of the album is called Outside the Lines. And really what that means is that, um, you know, it's there. people always try to kind of stick you in a genre or, or, or put your music into a category. And, and I always kind of resisted that because – I mean, I like jazz, I like classical, I like mm-hmm. everything in between. This album is kind of a hybrid, so it's it's outside the lines of all the categories and creates kind of its own category. I, I kind of teasingly call it jazzical or kickassical or something like yeah. that. Uh-huh. Uh, it's it's a it's a real uh, uh, it's got a little classical music to it. That la- the, the first piece that we wrote, um, that actually the, the title of that song is actually After Midnight Dancing. And what I envisioned in my mind was uh, two people late at night in like a Paris setting, you know, and and just kind of romantically dancing, uh, oblivious to the time, oblivious to anything. But I was just trying to paint one of those kind of impressionistic paintings that uh, that you might see. And so that song has a little bit of a Frenchy kind of sound to it. I got that. I got that. Yeah. And um, you have two other tracks that you sent me, um, Mm -hmm. which is Coco. Yeah, and, Baroque Coco. Right. Yeah, Baroque yep. Coco, and then Bella V. So, Bella V. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah. Uh, this, this album, you don't need to speak French to, to redo the album, but I, for some reason, I hate naming songs. That's my least favorite thing. Just mm-hmm. so you know. It's like I write these songs, and then somebody goes, now you got to name it. Okay, oh, it's just a song that they makes me feel like this. They name themselves, Kurt, you know. Well, that's somehow that... 
they well, I should just uh, and and they did in this case. Uh, Baroque Coco, uh, which we'll play mm-hmm. uh, in in a bit, is a is a song that is uh, it, it has a broke feeling to it with a chamber group, the strings playing, but it also has kind of this Latin vibe. My bass player and my drummer both come from Cuba, and my percussionist and my guitar player come from Peru, and of course I'm a, an American boy here. So uh, you wrap all that together, and you kind of get this. This hybrid tune, and so that's a fun little up-tempo piece. The Belle La Vie was written for my wife. Um, she's from Africa, and uh, you know this isn't my first trip down the, the aisle. <laughs> I won't get into too much of that, but um, anyway, she's a great lady who probably has to put up with a lot being married to a musician. So uh. Belle La Vie means Belle La Vie means beautiful <laughs> way, and uh-huh. uh, it's because I think she's she has Africa? shown she's what from Africa. Yeah, she. She's from Kenya, and uh, oh, wow. we go there every year. She she came to America having worked on the the movie Out of Africa. And she was Robert Redford's assistant. Are you after, kidding? That's one of my no. all time favorite movies. And well, you know, I go to I've gone to Africa digging wells for people in different villages, oh, cool. food for Africa, and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Wow, she came here. She was working she on came, Out of Africa. She came to Sundance. She, she came to Sundance after the movie. Had never been to America, uh-huh. and uh, you know that she came here quite a while back. But we've been married twelve years, almost twelve years, and wow. uh, I just I had never I'd never written a song for one of my wives, so I decided. I, I just love saying that because no, it, it, it that sounds like I'm living in Utah. Uh, no, <laughs> it is. It's beautiful, and you live in Utah. Utah is absolutely gorgeous. I know um, yeah, it's it's, it's got some beautiful areas. You know, we're gonna we're going to play the Baroque Coco in a few moments. But what I want to okay. ask you, what were you listening to when you were growing up? What kind of music? Oh man, I listened to when it's funny when I was in junior high, I got turned on mm-hmm. to funk, funk music. I loved oh, yeah. music, uh, funky the music from sound. the seventies, like yeah. you know, Earth, Wind, and Fire, and Confunction, mm-hmm. and just the funkier the better, which is really odd for a little white kid living in Utah. But uh, I just I love that. Uh, I also listened to a lot of Baroque music, uh, music from the Baroque period. And Love that uh, also mm-hmm. enjoyed music uh, that you would you probably call impressionism, Ravel, Debussy. Um, mm-hmm. So that's a real that's a real wild mix. Uh, when I was a kid, that's what I listened to. Later on, I've I've learned to enjoy music from all over the world. I like instruments that you don't normally hear, like a shakuhachi out of Japan, uh-huh. or a zampogna out of Peru. I think those instruments are just so amazing, and they sound like almost human voices. I like boys' choir a lot. I listen to a group called Libera out of England. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are an amazing, amazing group. L-I-B-E-R-A. You guys ought to Google it if you want oh, music really? that just transports you. Yeah, you, you, you would love it, Holly. It's great, great stuff. Oh, I'm Anyway, sure. that's the long answer. Well, no, I want to hear. I want to know. I want to know more about you. Um, did you grow up in a household that had um, that were anybody? Was anybody in your household artistic and uh, musically? Well, I, here's 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 the funny thing. My grandpa played trumpet with mm-hmm. Tommy Dorsey, and really? uh, with a big band wow. leader back in the 30s and 40s. And he taught my dad to play trumpet, and my dad taught me. So really, kind of my trumpet player. But uh, so genetically, uh, I was uh, predisposed, I guess, to be a musician. And mm-hmm. my mom is a great piano player, even though she was an English teacher by profession. In my family, it was 
required to play the piano. You didn't get a choice. So, you know, I hated to practice, but I loved uh, I loved to just kind of make up songs. One day my mom came in and she heard me. I was trying to play Bach and Mozart and I was hating, hating practicing. She goes, just put, put your music away. I said, great, I get uh-huh. to quit. She goes, no, 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 I don't want you to quit. I want you to just play me a sunrise. And I didn't know what she meant at first, but what she really wanted me to do was just forget the notes and just play me something that comes from your heart and comes from your your imagination. And at that moment, it probably sounded terrible, but she made me feel like, you know, Beethoven. I felt great, and I thought, you know, I want to be a composer. So that moment from my mom really was kind of a seminal moment in my composing life. I bet. That was like painting pictures with music. Um, so she actually wanted you to paint her a sunrise. That's really beautiful. So um, yeah. she encouraged you to do that. So once yeah. you did that, did you realize mm-hmm. at that point that you really wanted to write things about feelings and things that were going on? Well, I didn't think about it too much. I just did it. I mean, I, at that that age, you don't you don't really you don't really think too much. You just kind of do what feels right. But yeah, I would sit down mm-hmm. and, and play play things that uh, I used to play the Time magazine. I, I would put the Time magazine up on the piano, and I would just kind of read, and then I my music would kind of change as I would play the different stories as How I was reading. Interesting. Are you uh, serious? Yeah, my mom. You put a used Time magazine up and play play whatever you were looking at. <laughs> well, I, I again, I was just kind of trippy. I was just kind of. I was just kind of. I wanted to read. The, I'm. I'm. I'm kind of an. I got. A, I think I have HDH. What HDAD or whatever it is. ADD. I. I do about a bunch of stuff all the time. So when I was a little kid, I, I put. I like to read newspapers and, and magazines, but I also kind of wanted to play the piano at the same time. So I just kind of, absentmindedly, just started playing the piano, and you know, I would. I would play how I felt as I was reading. So. I was scoring the Time magazine. <laughs> I have never, ever, in all the years that I've um, known musicians and composers and everything, they've never, ever, ever told me that they've done that. That is so beautiful. I think that that that's really cool. It's like if you were reading poetry, mm-hmm. and as you were reading it, and the feelings you were feeling, and how, because um, I know for me. I'm a writer. I write. Mm-hmm. I'll write poetry, and I'll, I'll, I'm still in the process of writing my children's book, which keeps going and going and going about the dreams. But mm-hmm. you know, I think I think once we get into that mode of of writing, and we know what we want to write about, um, it kind of just flows. And I think sure. it's beautiful. So you did you play trumpet at all ever? From your did your no. dad ever try to teach you? No, no, he did actually, and I, I, I'm actually, I consider myself probably more of a trumpet player than a piano player. Um, in my concerts, when I perform, I usually play a couple of numbers on trumpet or flugelhorn, which uh-huh. is a cousin of the trumpet. And uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I kind of don't consider myself a piano player in the strictest sense. I'm more of a composer that plays different instruments. So in my concerts, you'll hear me play harmonica, or I'll play like an Irish boron, the drum. You know, I'll, I'll do bones uh, with another instrument from Ireland. Uh, I do Lakota flutes and different things. So it's it's kind of not not like I'm I'm a master at all these instruments, but I play them well enough to be able to perform on them. And trumpet is probably the number one instrument that I do. That's that's amazing. So how many instruments do you play that you are uh, trained in? I guess I, I guess well trained in that's a different story. Um trained, trained in, in I know is different. I'm probably yeah. trained in well okay, two, let's but, see. How many instruments do you play? Well, I, I think um, I think I probably play, and when I say play, a well, you know, beyond high school 
great. I play uh-huh. professionally trumpet and piano and harmonica. Those are the kind of professional instruments that I play. Then I play at a pretty high level uh, Lakota flute, Indian, you know, Native American flute. I can do that I quite love well. That. Yeah. Recorders of all kinds. Uh, they're very similar to the Native American flute, and mm-hmm. um, you know, so I. And then I just pick up instruments. The other, I mentioned that I played some Irish instruments, the the bull run, which is the flat drum that you see played. I just was intrigued by that, and I bought one, and then taught myself to play it. And now I do it in concert. Same thing with the bones, which are these little things you stick between your fingers. And you might have seen Celtic guys play them. Um, uh-huh. It's a really a really cool instrument to play. It doesn't, you know, you can't play melodies with it, but it certainly can jam with a bunch of guys at a a local Irish pub for sure. Oh, totally. Totally 100% on that one. Um, I know you mentioned the recorder. Oh, my gosh, I remember that's the instrument that all the kids have to learn how to play in school. Wait till your your, uh, daughter goes to school. She'll be bringing the recorder home, and you'll be like, okay. I know. I was always being. I was always being to the basement when I had my flute, because you know how in school you always have to take an instrument. I chose the flute. And... um, It that, well, that's hard. the instrument. That see, that's the instrument that all the all the cute girls played when I was in high school. It's like uh, the cute girls the played flute. the flute. The real smart girls played the oboe. Kind of the quiet girls played the clarinet. I mean, you can almost tell a person's personality by the instrument they play. I'm a trumpet really? player, yeah, which are I kind of the bra- the brash, that. outgoing guys. We we always we always play trumpet. <laughs> And the drums and, and the drums were the Cuba? guys we all know they they were the ones that were barely in school um, and oh wow they, they probably yeah. started on trumpet and gave it up and then went back and you know they had to they're the ones that get excused every half hour to go take a little smoke break oh yeah I know I hear you on that one <laughs> let's play let's play your baroque cocoa really quick and we'll be right Excellent. back and uh, this track is a, is also never been played. It's not been uh, not been pl- no the, the album's On not the been air? released yet. Okay, well, no, so the, you're another again. world premiere right here. Here we go. Okay, so this one's called Baroque Coco, and as you said, you have many different people playing with you. I want to ask you, um, do you incorporate harpsichord in any of your music? Because I've heard a little bit of it in some of the things I, that you've done. I have, I have, but on mm-hmm. this album, uh, there's there is one song I put a little teeny taste of it, but uh, uh-huh. yeah, I, I do, I do, not as a rule, but but I like harpsichord. It's a cool sound. Yeah, it is. Okay, let's play Baroque Coco. We'll be right back. And again, this is Kurt Bister. Hold on.
What a cool song, Kurt. Well, that thank song, you. I, I was. Th- go ahead. I, I was thinking that, as, as I you were. I can tell you my thoughts yeah. on that. Okay, oh, good, at good, four, good. At four minutes, when you get into the four-minute realm, because the song's five, um, let me see here, it's uh, five minutes and 29 seconds. When you hit mm-hmm. the four-minute mark, it slows down and it becomes more of a, um, uh, you know, a slower song, a little bit more of a slower pace. You're not hearing so many of the instruments, but you're hearing more of the, the violins, and then and uh, then you um, infuse nature, the sound of nature in there, at the end. Well, yeah, it's uh, it, it's uh, I didn't really have too much of that in my mind. However, I think I just to me when I when I hear the song, I always think I'm driving down Highway One in my like convertible. <laughs> it's just yeah, it's just kind of a it's kind of a free and easy song. It's breezy. It's it's not meant to be too serious. Um, that's why the name is called Baroque Coco. And you can hear the influence of uh, the guys in the band, uh, Carlitos del Puerto from Cuba and, and uh, Jaime Brand- Brandley also from Cuba. You can hear those guys. They're kind of infusing their own spirit into it. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, you know, I like when people just come up with their own interpretation. It's, uh, it's cool. You know, it's cool when they do that. No, it is. And I like, I like how you put – it almost sounds like – um, crickets or frogs or something at the end. It's really neat. Oh, uh, that's that is an instrument. It's funny that that's an instrument called a. Uh, it's a samba whistle. It's just kind uh-huh. of. It's this little oh, really? that you hear. Yeah, and and that was Alex Acuna. He's a famous percussionist. Uh-huh. He played on tons of albums, and he just put that in. He just was playing along, and it's just kind of he just put it in there. And it's it's cool. really cool because, yeah. like I said, at the four-minute mark, it really slows down. The the tempo slows down a little bit, and then it goes into more of a, um, I don't even know the right word for it because I'm not a songwriter, but it just becomes a, more of a, a song that's very, very um, instrumental, like slower, and then you hear the that instrument, and it sounds really cool. So that that's a really fun little piece that you wrote there. It, it, it's a fun, it was a fun one. I was it was a song uh-huh. that I kind of used to mess around with that little piano riff off the top, and mm-hmm. during my Christmas shows, I kind of just sit and mess around with that during sound check. And my drummer Eric Valentine for my Christmas shows, and Carlitos Del Puerto, who played on the album as well as my shows, they go, "Man, you gotta you gotta make a song out of that." So I said, "Okay, I'll do it." When I when I decided to do the album, uh, that was one of the first ones I wrote. That's that's really awesome. You know, talking about your Christmas shows and the music that you play, what are some? I know that you've got to have some favorites, and I know that you probably bring those home, and it's kind of like a little bit of a tradition with your with your daughter now. Or you do you, do you play she Christmas does, uh, music for my, her? My, my, I have uh-huh. a middle do- I have a middle daughter actually who sings uh-huh. with me on occasion. Um, she's grown up, 25 years old, and uh, she sings with me on occasion. Erica is her name, but uh-huh. uh, yeah, there's some traditions in my show and songs that that are go along with that. Probably the one that that some of your listeners might know, even if they don't know who I am. Uh, a song called "Prayer of the Children" is a song yep. that is probably the song that I'm most known for. It's a um, it's kind of a, a non-ecumenical prayer it's a secular prayer in a way um unless the person that sings it is as religious they can assign that feeling but it's a song that i wrote for the children of yugoslavia when the war the civil war in yugoslavia was, was happening and uh, i just had to write this song for children because they don't children don't really care who wins wars they they just want mom and dad and love and happiness and all the stuff we should all want 
so I wrote this song and, and it's, it was never meant to be performed, but, but now it gets performed at everything I do because it has such a, a timely message. And, uh, and I just found out the other day that uh, Three Dog Night sings that song in their concert. I had no idea, but they I actually... I didn't know that. Yeah, they actually put their guitars down and stand and sing this song as kind of their encore. And I'm really honored that a few other people have uh, adopted the tune. But that's the song that it kind of is the one that everybody knows me for. Ironically, it's a it's a vocal song, and I'm not really a vocalist, but I do sing a few things. Yeah, and I and I see I see that that song is being done by many people. I'm looking at it right now. Prayer of the Children, written by Kurt Bestor. Yeah, I see it there. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I see a lot of it, but I know that I had I had read a little bit about that too. And um, it was it was very interesting when I was reading the the reason behind it. And I know that they're saying that basically that you really love doing Christmas music, um, and that a lot of them were featured also on the Weather Channel during the holiday season in the eighties and the nineties. Yeah, you know, my my music gets used for different things. Most that I have no idea they get used for because it's instrumental music. It it plays all over the place. Um, I know I get I get money from various things when royalties and so forth. So I, I appreciate that. But yeah, I, I like Christmas music uh, because not necessarily because it's just it's it's the religious side of things, but that it's that it's something that that most people um, most people resonate with. Uh, depending on no, mm-hmm. no matter what your religion, I mean, people just in America, especially or in England, people when they hear "Deck the Halls," they just they kind of just get happy, and and it just makes you feel good. Or "What Child Is This," uh, which we know is Greensleeves the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's one that's one of my favorites. I have a uh, "I Wonder as I Wander" is a, a song that I do, uh, which is a beautiful American Christmas carol. There's just something that when you play a Christmas carol, it it immediately people can smell the smells in the kitchen. They can feel the feeling of the season. And uh, I think for the most part, it's a good thing. Yeah, I can, I can totally understand that. I, I deck the halls was always one that I got teased with as a child, um, you know, in school because my name's Holly. It was always like deck the halls, you know, and um, have a Holly jolly Christmas and, you know, but I'm sorry, I didn't, didn't mean to bring back, you know, oh, terrible no. thought and memories Christmas. for you. <laughs> no, I love Christmas. And you know, one of my favorite pieces that I listen to at Christmas, and, I, and I'm and i going to start listening to a lot more of your Christmas music, is the uh, soundtrack from The Snowman, the um, English tale that's told. Did you ever hear that? I don't know. That doesn't ring a bell, but I'm sure I've heard uh, the music. Oh, my heard God. About just about if you heard this but, song, uh, the song's called Walking in the Air. And um, that's the theme song for it. It's called, and I, you know what? When we're done here, I'll send it to you on um, in your inbox. The song, it's it's so beautiful. It's just it like whenever I hear it, it's like um, it makes it gives me chills because it's kind of like a song that just as a child I grew up hearing, and because mm-hmm. it's a story called The Snowman, which is uh, told. Um, in a video by David Bowie, he's a child, and then it goes into a cartoon where the little boy is um, going outside, he builds a snowman, and the snowman comes to life, and then the snowman and he fly over the ocean, and that's the song, Walking in the Air, and that's the oh, song cool. that plays, and then they fly into, and they land in a, um, they land in the forest, and they all part ways, you see all the snowmen there, in the middle is Santa Claus, 
And then there's little jigs and stuff like that that they play at that point. And then they go back into the um, walking in the air song. I, I read something really funny here, um, that when you watch the 1975 movie Jaws, you, you wanted to create right. movie scores. Well, that really, you know, that was a, a pretty, uh, well, here's, here's the deal. When you get asked when you're a kid what you want to be when you grow up, Typically uh-huh. you say, oh, I'm going to be a fireman. Then then you graduate when you get older. I'm going to be a lawyer, going to be a doctor. Everything that is so honorable, you know. And you never say when you're a kid, oh, I'm going to be a musician. Everybody talks you out of that. So I didn't think I could actually be a musician and, and you know, gain the respect. So, uh, But one day I was watching uh, the movie Jaws, and I heard, you know, the bum, 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 the theme, uh, the, which mm-hmm. was just a two-note thing. And I realized some guy got paid to write the music for this movie. That's what I want to do. So I kind of made a life change right there and decided, you know what, it's, it's a job and I'm going to do it. I mean, I don't think people should always do things in their life based on, you know, a job. But it is the reality. You have to feed yourself and your family. And so I really didn't deviate from that um, too much. Uh, when I was in high school, I started writing music for the Donnie and Marie show. So, yeah, I saw uh, that. And that's that was great. pretty. That was pretty fun, and some of your listeners are going to remember those guys. I and mean, they're still out doing stuff. They'll remember I, that show. I remember, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I it have was, stories uh, it was, about that, and that's funny. We'll have to tell those off the air, man. Uh, when I when I first moved to California, because when I was younger, Donnie Osmond was all over my walls. I thought Donnie Osmond was. Donny Osmond, Rick Springfield, David Cassidy. It was really funny. And I moved to California. No, this is funny. And I moved to California, and I went to my first uh, Mark and Brian Christmas special, and I was behind stage, and I was with all the people that were performing. And first walks up is Donny Osmond introducing himself to me, and I'm like, no. And then Rick Springfield, and then David Cassidy, and then throughout the years, David's wife, is a friend of mine, and it's just so funny. It's like all these people that were on my wall when I was little, and I was thinking, oh, these are like the people that, you know, that I, I that were my idols, and here right. I'm meeting them in person. You never think you're going to do that, you know. As a, as well, a, as you a probably child. read Tiger Beat, man. You read Tiger Beat. Oh back yeah, in the day. Tiger Beat. <laughs> yeah, you're funny. Oh my god. Tiger B. What was the other one? I forgot. Uh, see, well, I, I'm a guy. I don't know. We we were always <laughs> poo-pooing that stuff because we were trying to get your attention, you girls, and you guys uh, wanted to. You were meeting well, Donnie we Osmond. Looking who looking at the pictures uh, on our walls. I know. Oh, you're funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was that was that's my funny story about Donnie Marie. So I heard they're really cool to work with. No, they're very nice. They're very nice people. I owe a lot of my career, actually, to the Osmond family. Uh, mm-hmm. they, when I was in high school, of course, starting out, that was really my first professional gig, playing playing trumpet for them. And then I started writing music for their show and working with some really great people. I mean, Dolly Parton and uh, Dick Van Dyke and some really amazing people. Uh, I got to arrange music for them at the age of 17. So that was really a great way to start. Wow. So I, I really do owe a lot to them. They they brought their studios from L.A. up to Salt Lake City, up to Provo, Utah, and mm-hmm. um, you know, so I was a little kid living in Utah, and here comes Hollywood. So I got to study with some great composers that were writing for the Osmonds, like Alf Clausen, who has done for years The Simpsons. You know, so his music is from The yeah. Simpsons. Anyway, you know, I, I don't know. It's kind of fun to look back at all these things as we talk. You know, from where we started by talking about the Olympics, and we're kind of we're kind of ending from where I started. But that really was where I started uh, my professional I career: think... watching Jaws and then doing the. Yeah. You know, yeah. 
I think it's really cool. Um, And I also um, read that you did some work with the Tabernacle Choir, the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. Well, I've, you know, you, lo- you live in Utah, and, and if you're a musician, oh, yeah. chances are you'll, you'll rub shoulders. But I have had been very lucky to have written music on a number mm-hmm. of occasions for the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. They perform a few of my pieces every year. Um, just uh, and, and yeah, it's it's always a thrill because they're they're amazing, amazing choir. Now, I know you travel a lot too. Um, it said you were in Yugoslavia for a while and um, different areas. What were some of the Places that inspired you to write music that you want to share with our listeners? Oh, I would I would think Holly that almost every place I've gone has mm-hmm. inspired me. I mean, even your where you're where you're up kind of near you up uh, Big Sur mm-hmm. area. Um, I had a chance to, to to be there. I worked uh, did some music for the Monterey Bay Aquarium, and um, I just find that part of California just really really beautiful and amazing, and it and it, it does make me want to write music. So pretty much everywhere I go, I, um, I mean, I haven't been to many ugly, bad places in the world. I usually can find something beautiful. But um, when I go skiing up in Canada or, you know, here in Utah, I'm always thinking of music. Uh, when I traveled back to my wife's home country of Kenya, of course, that's incredibly oh, wow. beautiful. And, mm-hmm. and I'm always inspired by that. So really I view the world through musical eyes, and the chances are it's going to come out in music someday oh yeah no totally i can hear that i'm an ocean person which Mm. really is um amazing i lived on the beach for 19 years and surfed every morning and um, just recently worked on a um had had a girl on that wrote the emissary that's getting ready to do a concert in the uk about uh, saving the whales and the dolphins have you gotten involved in any um do you have any music that you've based on water and the ocean yeah yeah, no, absolutely. I have. Um, well, I did a whole movie about um, the uh, saving the dolphins with Bridget Fonda starred in it, and it was a documentary. And so I had I a chance to that. write music. Had a chance to write yeah. music for that uh, about the, she went all over the world with the dolphins, and then um, one particular song that I found that I wrote was was really pretty moving for me. It, it dealt with this pink dolphin down in the Amazon, and this little baby mm-hmm. dolphin uh, had sadly. Uh, expired passed away and this mother dolphin kept pushing the pink do- the little baby dolphin up to the surface to try to get it to take a breath and it was really really uh, uh cool uh, sad but but a, a really emotional moment so um yeah i you know i've written music i've, I've racked my brains to say what i see what i've written up that's about specifically about music as a as a pisces i guess i need to I need to get in touch with my musical side or my you water are side. i i you know what that's why you're a pisces i could, i i totally i totally hear that um, because it's really funny. Most of the friends, most of the people that I've um, become really close to in my life that have been really important in my life have been Pisces or Sagittarius, as I am. So mm-hmm. it's just it's pretty funny. Um, I know that she's doing this concert um, with the Royal Philharmonic um, Orchestra in London um, about saving wolfins. Uh, wolfins saving. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I knew what you were talking about. Wolfins. I had waffles earlier today, yes. No, it's all right. When you cross a wolf with a dolphin, Waltons you get a wolf. And, and Waltons and Daltons, yeah. No, Waltons, whales and dolphins, yeah. She um, sure. has this concert going on, and I know that she's doing it at Fairfield Halls. Do you know where that is? Okay, I do, yeah. That's a, that's a, an impressive place. Yeah. Um, 
You know, if you're interested um, in being part of that, I can uh, turn you on to her, and uh, I'm sure she'd love to have you. She's trying to uh, bring people together. No, I love, I love being. People. I love those kind of collaborations. Music is really about collaborating, after all. I mean, very few people can. You always need someone to listen to music, uh, so there's always an instant collaboration. Composer, listener, yeah, but then well, you've got musicians, and then you've got uh-huh. filmmakers. It's it's always a wonderful thing to be able to collaborate. Oh no! And um, what I can do is I can. I know it's on. It's coming up really quick too. But I know that she's got some really amazing things going on, and I know that we were working on getting an artist, and, you know, it just, like, happened, like, thinking in my head, well, you'd be perfect. I know you love well, the I, U.K., too. I do. <laughs> I do love it. All the above. I know it's, it's you a do. I can tell. Well, I know that we went over a little bit. I hope I didn't um, distur- okay. disturb your no. day. Totally. It's, it's actually, really... I just... I texted my engineer who's waiting for me to listen to mixes saying I'm on a fun interview, but I will be done shortly. But I, it's, been a, it's been a great, it's been a great time. You know, I hope your you listeners love, have, have you enjoyed this? it. Is this no, it's, fun? it's, it is fun. And we'll have to do it again sometime when some other groovy thing happens. I want for, you back. Yeah, I want right? you back. Now, right. um, can you do me a favor when we end sure. the show, I'm going to play your mm-hmm. song and we're going to end it. What I would okay. like to know if you could do for me is if you could, text me you you texted me on my phone could you text me your um your phone number so i can pass it on to patricia she can call she can call you um i want to let everyone know also i my 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 uh studio crashed last week when i was doing natalie tedrick's um interview and i'm going to be doing a special interview with her coming up this tuesday and then after that on wednesday i have michael frey and then on the 11th, I've Baron Wallman in the Woodstock years, his Woodstock uh, photo collection, and uh, cool. the, goes on and on. Tommy Richie Ramone's going to be on this month. Uh, we've got Earth Day coming up. I like, and I'm so excited that you're here, Kurt, because your music is just all inspiring. All inspiring. Well, thank you. We're going to be ending the show with the song that you wrote for your wife. Um, yes. Bella Levy. Bella V. Thank yeah, you. Bella V. And um, I would love to have you back. And again, Thanks. if anyone missed the show from the beginning, you can listen to it on iTunes and on Blog Talk Radio on Demand. And uh, Kurt, I hope you have a really wonderful day. And I am going to play your song now. And thank you. Uh, let's have you back. All right, and let's I'm gonna, do it. You, I'm gonna, I'm gonna you, look for my you know how to reach me. Too. And the, um, yes, I want you we'll, to we'll have... yeah, send me. Send me your phone number really quick on my phone. Do you have my cell phone number? I will find it. I, I can't do two things at once, though, so I'll, I'll hang up and then I'll do it. Yeah, that no, for no, you, no. Okay? It's cool. All right. Thank you very yeah, much, Holly. Me. It's been yeah. wonderful. No right. problem. And we're going to play right. your song in one moment. And here we go. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Red Velvet Media with Holly Steffi. Thanks for listening. And tune in again next time.
With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.